growing in God's Word and learning how to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk with Pastor Clay Stevens from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh. When you can't see God and you can't hear God and you can't feel God, can anybody relate? In those times when you can't see Him, you can't hear Him, you can't feel Him, you have to just trust God. You just have to trust. Trials, hardships, suffering, most of us understand that they are a part of living in this world. But is it possible to be joyful about our trials? It may be intention, it may feel bad, but listen, in the end, in the whole scheme of things, God is on His throne and God will accomplish His purposes in and through the trials and difficulties of your life and you and I will be better for it. Hello and welcome to Crosswalk. As we continue in our series, Building on the Basics, Working Our Way Through First Peter and the Basic of Hope, we come to Peter's admonition to rejoice not only in our trials, but because of our trials. As you'll hear Pastor Clay say today, it would be easy for us to think that Peter was a little crazy. But as we'll see today, it really is possible to have joy in our trials. Pastor Clay is going to show us today from 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 9, what we are to do with our trials and how we find joy in the middle of them. We're glad you've joined us today. Sometimes, you know, storms are just, you know, maybe like a, a thunderstorm or a squall. Sometimes they're a hurricane that come pounding into our life. Am I, am I, just, am I just preaching to myself or can you identify, anybody identify with what I'm talking about? You may, you may be in the middle of something now. You may be just coming out of something. You may be getting ready to go into something. But it is that idea that these, these storms and stuff come into our life and we need... Within that context of of trials and tribulations and hardships and sufferings, particularly, as we're going to see this morning, particularly for the name of Jesus Christ, we need some hope in our lives. And Peter has a lot to say about that, of course. I've mentioned it before, I'll talk about it again in a minute, but if you brought a copy of God's Word with you this morning, I encourage you to open it to 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 19. We're going to close out chapter 4 today as we are building on the basics. We have built on the basic of faith as we walk through the book of James. We're now working our way through the basic of hope, looking at First and Second Peter. Uh, we've got one more chapter to go in First Peter, then we'll move into Second Peter. And then after that, we'll build on the basic of love in First and Second and Third uh, John. And then uh, the one that seems out of place, uh, because we've got, you got faith, hope, and love. And then we're going to look at the book of Jude and building on the basic of judgment. But it is part. It is a basic. Uh, a basic fundamental understanding for the follower of Jesus Christ. So First Peter chapter 4. Y'all got a Bible open? Electronic copy? Hard copy? Some of y'all say no, because it's going to be up on the screen. It is up on the screen. It's there for your convenience. But uh, I'm old. I know I'm old school this way. But I encourage you, man, bring a copy of God's Word. I don't care whether it's electronic or hard copy or whatever. But uh, it's, uh, I, just, I just think you'll be blessed by that. But we do provide it up on the screen uh, as well. I want to talk a little bit this morning uh, about those trials, about those tribulations, about that suffering that sometimes occurs in our lives. Now, before I read it, Let's just say, I think we all could agree, yep, trials, it happens. Tribulations, hardships, sufferings, and all that kind of stuff. But why? Why, why do s- 
trials happen? Why does suffering come into our lives? Especially, uh, and we'll get more into depth in this uh, later on, but especially as a follower of Jesus, uh, the thinking might be, you know, I, you know, I'm trying to live for God. I'm trying to do the right thing. Uh, why does this stuff happen uh, to me? Why do we have trials? There are basically, as I could think of it, basically four reasons for trials. And uh, they look like this. First, trials can be a byproduct of the sin curse. In other words, we just, we just live in a sin-cursed world, and so bad things can happen. Hurricanes can strike, and people uh, can drown. Accidents uh, can happen, and, and people can spend extensive amount of time in the hospitals. Or it, It's just part of living in a sin-cursed world. A trial can come into your life as a result of that, right? Second, uh, trials can come into our life. They can be an attack from an angry enemy. For in the sovereignty of God, whatever all God's plans are, in the sovereignty of God, Satan is, although a defeated foe, he is still on the loose. He's act, I absolutely believe that he is a real entity, spiritual entity, and I believe he is still active and working in this world. Trials can be an attack from an angry enemy. Job would be an example of that. Job was attacked by Satan because of his, 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 his desire to glorify God with his life. And if you're familiar with that story and Satan says, oh yeah, yeah, he's just, he's just faithful to you because you're blessing him and you know, all that. But that can be a reason for trials to come into your life. Third, uh, trials can be a consequence of a sinful choice. I can bring stuff on my life as a result of a choice that I make that is contrary to God's word and I, but I don't care or I, or I don't don't do the whole Jesus thing or whatever the reason, I can set in motion sometimes consequences that, uh, that can sometimes can last for, for years. But, but it can be as a result of something uh, I do, a choice I make, a decision I, I make. Does that make sense? You know what I'm saying? And then fourth, uh, trials can be a tool in the hands of a loving father. They can be for, for discipline. God will do that like any loving parent would do. For direction, sometimes God will guide us even through the process of trials for, for development of, of our faith. And I'll talk more about that in a minute. But trials can be, and, and, and God could use any of them, you can say, but trials can be a tool in the hands of a loving, loving God, a loving Heavenly Father. First Peter chapter 4, um, Peter's winding up this chapter as, as it's broken apart. And here's what he says. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing, so that also at the revelation of his glory, you may rejoice with exultation. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Make sure that none of you suffer, <clears throat> suffers as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or a troublesome meddler. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, he is not to be ashamed, but is to glorify God in this name. For it is time for judgment to begin with the household of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is with difficulty that the righteous is saved, what will become of the godless man and the sinner? 
Therefore, verse 19, Therefore, those also who suffer according to the will of God shall entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. Father, uh, today as we uh, look at this last part of uh, chapter 4, as Peter dives back into this, this idea that he's brought up several times in his letter, keeps coming back to trials and hardships and tribulations. Uh, he does so for, uh, I believe, significant reason. Um, would you help us to just open our hearts and minds and make application for our lives? Uh, as I said a moment ago, probably every one of us to a large degree, or to, at least in some sense, uh, everyone in this room is either in the middle of a trial or perhaps just come out of some testing or perhaps will be going into something in the future. And so, uh, even as Ivy uh, said earlier as we were worshiping, uh, it's, it's really very relevant, very practical for where we are in our lives. Not only because of the craziness that's going on all over the world and, and uh, followers of Jesus truly uh, being, being uh, murdered, put to death, killed for their faith in Jesus Christ, but just even in, the, even in the things of our life every day, the stuff that gets us aggravated or drives us crazy or, or brings us to just like the end of ourselves stressed out and anxious and whatever all those things uh, may be. I, I, I pray today for these people and all those who will watch or listen to this message that uh, you, uh, Holy Spirit, would make application to their life, to their situation, to their trials, uh, those presently and those yet to come, for your honor and glory and for our ultimate good. And I ask it in the name of Jesus. He is our Savior. Amen. Okay, uh, let me run through this morning with you, uh, quickly as we can, um, some things about trials that that hopefully we can apply uh, to our lives. Uh, Does anybody ever go through trials? All right, let's start with this idea this morning. First thing, trials, expect them. Expect them. Uh, As I uh, said a moment ago, this, this uh, this is a topic that Peter keeps coming back to. Trials, tribulations, sufferings. He keeps coming back to it. And there's a reason why. If you were here when we started into First Peter, you may remember me saying, and I think I mentioned a couple times beyond that, but that during uh, the course of Peter, during the time when Peter is writing this, um, the church has been through some suffering, but it's about to go through a significantly increased amount of suffering as, as a result of Nero and some, some things that he he's does, and hopefully we'll talk about that a little bit later. But... Suffering was going to ramp up, both in, in intensity and in frequency. Your life feels like that sometimes, right? Sometimes maybe you, you, you go along a while and it's okay, and then all of a sudden it's just like bam, 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 bam. No? And so, like any good pastor, Peter wants to prepare his people. He, he wants them to, 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 to find strength for what they're going to face. He wants them to be, be comforted in, in, in the adversity and the trials and the hurts and the hardships and all that stuff that they're going to face. He wants them uh, to be ready for what is coming. And so the very first thing that Peter says, he starts launches back into this area of suffering. The very first thing he says in verse 12 is when it comes to trials, when it comes to tribulations, when it comes to hardships and suffering, expect it. Just expect it. It's going to come in your life, especially if you are a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, I already said a minute ago that trials and tribulations can come to anybody. We live in a sin-cursed world. There's, bad, you know, bad stuff in the world and people make, you know, crazy decisions. So, so nobody's immune. Trials and tribulations and hardships, all that stuff can come to anybody. 
But particularly if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, Peter said this repeatedly over and over, there is, there is an enemy that hates you because of your desire to live for Christ and to glorify God, and, there, and there's a world that basically hates you, and you can expect for this stuff to come into your life. It is, it is part of this, of this world in which we live. But did you notice that little phrase right there in, in the middle of verse 12 where he said, which comes upon you for your testing. You read that out loud with me, uh, please. Which comes upon you for your testing. So these trials come up, can come upon you for your testing. Who enjoys t- taking tests? <laughs> very, very few of us, right? But testing can be a very important part of our lives. Now, in the case of trials in our lives and our walk with Jesus, uh, I think you can think of, of trials coming to our lives, the testing in, in, in two ways or, or for two purposes, uh, if you will. First, there is testing to check up on the reality of your faith. Sometimes stuff comes into your life to check up, to test the reality of your faith. Because, listen, it's easy It's easy to have faith in God. It's easy to believe in Jesus when it's easy. Do you you understand what what I'm saying? When when everything's going smoothly and the paychecks are rolling in and the, uh, you know, when, when everything's going well, it's easy. And so if there's never a crisis of belief, if, the, if there's never a reason to test what I believe, can I ever really know whether I really believe this or not? Do I really have, when I say I believe in God or I've trusted in God or I'm walking with God or I want God to guide my life, if nothing ever goes wrong, will I ever really know whether I, you know what I'm saying? The trials can be a checkup on the reality of your faith. I think a little little diddly that I put, that it is in the adversity that we can gauge the authenticity of our faith. That's where, that's when, when you get down to the nitty-gritty, that's when you really find out whether you believe what you really say you believe. Because I'm just going to tell you, through, the, through just the years of my trying to walk with Jesus, my years of ministry and interacting with other people, I have met lots and lots of people that would say, oh yeah, absolutely, I, I believe in Jesus. But come crunch time, I've seen them, I've seen that faith disappear. Completely. So it's not a bad thing uh, to have a checkup uh, on, on the, 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 the validity, really, uh, of, of your faith. Another reason for uh, adversity can be this. It can be a test, testing to build up the reliability of your faith. I made reference to this a minute ago, I think. But it is through the hard times that this thing really begins to develop. It is in the uh, adversity that we face that our faith begins to, to become stronger, to become uh, more equipped. Listen, God loves you beyond belief, and he wants you to be ready. He wants you to be prepared for what comes into your life. And so testing may come as an opportunity to build up the, the reliability of your faith. Does that make sense? You understand what I'm saying? Some of you, let's just be honest, some of you, and, and some of you I probably won't even know, but some of you, I know a little bit about your story, some of you have been through some incredibly deep water. Some of you have walked through some incredibly hard trials and difficulties. 
It might be a, a physical condition yourself. It might uh, be of someone else. It might be a family member. It might be a, a, a marriage uh, split. It might be a lot. It can be so many different things. And, and it doesn't even matter if we, I can name them all because it only matters the one you're thinking of right now in your own life. Some of you have been through some unbelievably deep trials. And it goes without saying that there was probably little to nothing about the trial that was pleasurable or enjoyable, right? But I would venture to say, if we had time, that those of you that would say, yeah, let me tell you my story. Let me tell you what I've been through. If we were to go around the room, I would venture to say that virtually every one of you that have been through those deep waters, those hard trials, those difficult times, I would venture to say that virtually every single one of you would say that your faith in God is stronger as a result of having been through that trial or that adversity or that, that hardship. That's, that's what trials will do. Now, some of you, again, just being honest, some of you, perhaps in your life, have not ever been through that deep of water. You may have had little things here, but maybe you've never been through some, some deep, deep trials or some real testing in your life. Maybe you're just uh, too young to have experienced some of that stuff yet. Maybe, maybe you've lived a charmed life. And, and, and it's not my, my job to rain on anybody's parade today, but I'm just telling you, it's coming in your life. If it's not there already, it's coming in your life because it's part of life. It just is. And so uh, trials can be used to build up the reliability of your faith. And so what does he say? Expect them to come into your life. There are certain things that go without saying. There are certain things that you can expect. If you eat ice cream too fast, you can expect to get an ice cream headache. If you go into a local restaurant in the south, you can expect to get sweet tea and grits if they serve breakfast. Amen. And if you tell your wife that you wish she cooked more like your mom, you can expect to die. There are, there are certain things that you can just, they're just, you can just expect it. It just is. And if you stand for the name of Jesus Christ in a world that doesn't want you to stand for Jesus Christ, you can expect trials and tribulations. So, Peter says, don't, don't act like some strange thing is happening to you. And you know what? That's exactly what we do. How many times have I had heard one of you or somebody, and I know, I'm, I'm sure I've done the same thing. How many times have you said, I just, I just don't understand. I just don't understand why I'm going through all this. I don't understand why I have to go through all that. I don't understand why this is happening to me. I'm trying to live for the Lord. I'm trying to do the right thing. I don't understand why this is happening. Hello? That's why it's happening. Because you're trying to live for Him in a world that doesn't want you to. So you can just expect trials to come in life. And if you expect them, then you're better prepared for them. You're prepared emotionally. You're prepared uh, spiritually. You're, you're, you can be more prayed up. You can be uh, uh, just presented with the, the, the power of the Word of God working in your life and ready uh, for what comes your way because it's going to come your way. Expect it. What's the second thing? that Peter says about trials. He says, expect them. And then he says, embrace them. Yay! Embrace them! All right, if you're sitting near somebody, I don't know, I just like to do this every time. If you're sitting near somebody, turn to them and tell, and tell them, embrace your trials. Tell them, tell them, just give your trials a big old hug. <laughs> Listen now, now I'm not making this up, Okay. I'm not making this up. Look, look what he says. Look at, verse, uh, look at verse 13. 
He says, but to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ. Watch this now. To the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing. So that also at the revelation of his glory, you may rejoice with exultation. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed. Because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. And then verse 16, but if anyone suffers as a Christian, he is not to be ashamed, but is to glorify God in this name. Embrace your trials. Let's see. Joy, rejoice, blessed. Not the kind of words you tend to think of when discussing the subject matter of trials and tribulation, are they? Those aren't the words that just immediately pop to your mind when, you, when you're in the middle of a trial. And yet, that's exactly what Peter calls us to do. It's exactly what he says to do. And notice that he says, keep on rejoicing. You see that? A present imperative verb in the Greek, which simply means that you're rejoicing now and you're rejoicing then. No matter what comes, no matter what they do, no matter what they say, no matter how they treat you, no matter what goes on on in your life, keep on rejoicing. Okay. (laughs) Confession time. That's not how I like to act when trials come my way. Natural clay wants to whine. Natural clay wants to complain. Natural clay wants to know what in the world is going on. Natural clay likes to remind God of just how unfair this is in my life. And now Peter says, keep on rejoicing? Has Peter lost his mind? In a sense, yes. Peter has lost his mind. Watch this. What Peter has lost is the natural mind. The the mind of natural man. And he has replaced it with the Spirit of God and responding within the power of the Spirit of God to his life. That's why in the midst, and Peter went through some stuff, that's why he could write this with every bit of authenticity and say, keep on rejoicing. I'm going to let you all in on a little secret. Uh, It's not really a secret, but most people either aren't aware of it or just ignore it. You and I tend to think in the now. You know what I mean? And, and, and listen, it is, it is natural to think that way. Because we're in the now. That wasn't a trick question. We're in the now. We, we live in the now. We operate in the now. We, we uh, try and raise our kids in the now. We, our work situation is in the now. We live in this moment, in this now. And so it's only natural for our focus to be on the now, to focus on this situation, on this trial, on this tribulation, on this difficulty, on this uh, situation this person's treating me or how this work thing is going. It's only natural for us to operate or think in the now. Here it comes. What most people don't realize is that God is always trying to get us to think in the supernatural. Not the natural, but the supernatural. He's always trying to get you and me to think from a different perspective. Instead of the, I'm right here, oh poor, why me? I'm going through all this. Instead of this natural now, God's always trying to get us to think in the supernatural. So instead of focusing on the here and now, instead I'm focusing on the there and then. That's why he does this over and over and over again throughout the pages of Scripture. Here's the way I would put it. We live in the now, but we don't have to live 
for the now. Does that make sense? You understand what I'm saying to you? We don't have to necessarily live for the now. And, and, and so he says, says, hey, keep on rejoicing in the midst of all that. And he gives us some reasons. Now look at these reasons that he gives us to keep on re- rejoicing. It is the privilege, first we start with the privilege of sharing in the sufferings of Christ. All right. It isn't pleasant. It probably isn't practical for where you are and what you're, what you're trying to get done in your life. But it is a privilege to suffer for Jesus Christ. It really is. I, I know it, it doesn't feel that way to us, but it is. That's what he said. Look at the first part, I think, first part of verse uh, 13, I think it is. Uh, but to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing. If you're suffering for him or as a result of him or Satan's coming against you because you're trying to stand for him, if you, whatever it is, you can rejoice in the fact. Listen, it's, it's, not that, it's not that our sufferings in any way compares to his sufferings for us, right? But when the world rejects him, as it by and large does, and it rejects us for trying to live for Christ or try and live for righteousness sake, to try and live in the way God would have us live, to try and share the message of Christ's love uh, for the world. When, when the world rejects that, it is a sense, an opportunity to identify with Christ. And it is always, always a privilege to identify with Jesus Christ in any and every situation. Second reason, he says, the promise of the return of Christ. Oh, wait, go back, Tyler. I missed Luke chapter 6, and I wanted to give you that, this idea of the privilege of suffering Christ. Listen, I want you to see Jesus' own words, because this is important. This is Jesus himself, Luke chapter 6. He said, what blessings await you when people hate you and exclude you and mock you and curse you as evil because you follow the Son of Man? (laughs) Sign me up. When that happens, be happy. Yes, leap for joy. For a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, their ancestors treated the ancient prophets that, that same way. So Jesus is saying, listen, you're not, you're not the first one that they treat it this way or that, that you know, Satan's come against or that all that. So, man, Jesus himself says, you can really see where Peter gets this idea to rejoice. Okay, I, I want to make sure you, you saw that. And then the second reason that we keep on rejoicing, it's the promise of the return of Christ. I really thought you'd be more excited about that. But anyway, look at the latter part of verse 13. Look at what he says. Keep on rejoicing so that also at the revelation of his glory. What is that? That's right. It's when, he, when he shows up. <laughs> at the revelation of his glory, you may rejoice with exultation. You can keep on rejoicing because the first time he came, he came meek and lowly. The first time he came, they nailed him to a cross. The first time he came, they beat him, they mocked him, they spit on him. But a day is coming, maybe soon, maybe soon, when he will come as king of kings and lord of lords. And he will, listen to me, I absolutely believe this as much as I believe anything in my life. He absolutely will come back again physically, bodily to this earth to establish his kingdom. And I can rejoice in my trials and my tribulations because I know it's got an end and I know how it ends. As I am fond of saying, read the back of the book, know how it turns out. Look at the uh, prophet Zechariah. Look what he says. Then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations as when he fights on a day of battle. That's Jesus, by the way. I know everybody hates to think of 
In that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which is in front of Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives will be split in its middle from east to west by a very large valley, so that half of the mountain will move toward the north and the other half toward the south. You will flee by the valley of my mountains, for the valley of the mountains will reach to Azel. Yes, you will flee just as you fled before the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. Then the Lord, my God, will come and all the holy ones with him. Okay, this is good. It's not, it's not better, but I got another one. Look at this, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Maybe you're familiar, more familiar with this one. The Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command. The Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. And those who have died believing in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive will be gathered up with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, rapture, and we will be with the Lord forever. <laughs> Listen, that, all he's saying is this, is, this is the kind of stuff, what he's saying, this is the kind of stuff that needs to be on your mind in order to sustain yourself during those trials. What needs to be on my mind? Well, first off, it's a privilege to share with Christ. Second off, this is coming to an end. Jesus is coming back, and he, he gonna, he gonna, yeah, he's kicking butt and taking names. I, he, I don't know, he's just, he's just gonna, he's just gonna finish this thing. What he promised. Now listen, can I say this before we move on to the third reason to rejoice always? I know that if a person, um, is new to the whole Jesus thing, or the Bible, or whatever, and, and they, and they, Hear me read verses like First Thessalonians chapter 4 where the Lord himself is going to come down. You mean this guy we can't see that's somewhere up in this place we can't see and suddenly he's going to show up in the clouds and, and, then, and then dead people are going to come up out of the ground and then we're going to go up and meet him. You, 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 I understand that when people hear that, okay, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not blind to this. When people hear that, they're like, nurse, nurse, right? This is crazy stuff if it's not true. But if it is true, it is the most rational thought that you could possibly have. Why would I not rejoice if he's coming back again? No matter what comes into my life. And the third reason to keep on uh, rejoicing is the presence of the Spirit of Christ in my life. Directly as a result of suffering. That's what he, look what he says in verse 14. I'm just giving you what, he, what he's given us. If you are reviled for the name of Christ... Trials, tribulations, suffering, hardships, whatever. If you're reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed. Why? Because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. It is, um, and some of you who have been through some of that deep order know exactly what I'm saying. It is sensing the presence of God in your life, like in a way that maybe you'd never sensed it before. In the midst of, of the hurt and the heartache and the despondency and the uncertainty and the, and, the, and the blackness and the darkness and all that, in the middle of all that stuff, suddenly you sensed God's presence in your life in an amazing way. It, it, is, it is that very thing. And uh, it, it's, uh, I mean, I understand the, the, the idea that God is with us all the time. I understand that we walk with him. I understand that I can talk with him all the time and, and just have this ongoing, that's what, what prayer really is, ongoing dialogue with God in my life all the time. But there, there are certain something special moments and, and I, can't, I can't explain them and I, I can't tell, tell you that I have them all the time. But there have been certain moments in my life where I absolutely knew that I was in the presence of God. And I, I thirst for that. I want that more and more in my life. 
But to experience that in this life takes me down Trial Avenue. That's where I find him. Meeting me. Taking care of me. Providing for me. Empowering me in those trials. Okay? Really. It's okay to embrace. It doesn't mean they're pleasant. But we can embrace these trials that we face. And we can rejoice in the middle of them. Okay? All right, real quickly. Number three. Here we go. Trials. Examine them. It's another thing that you do with your trials. You're going to have them. They're coming in your life. So examine them. Look at verse 15 and then 17 and 18. Again, this is what Peter says. He says, make sure that none of you suffers as a murderer or thief or evildoer or troublesome meddler. But if anyone suffers as a, a Christian, he is not to be ashamed, but is to glorify God in this name. For it is time for judgment to begin with the household of God. And it begins with us first. What will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is with difficulty that the righteous is saved, what will become of the godless man and the sinner? Trials, examine them. Look at what is going on in your life and figure out why you're going through the trial that you're going through in your life. Because trials can come for different reasons. Trials do come for different reasons. And it's an opportunity to examine them. It's always struck me. And I'm sure that's just weird me. But it's, it's always struck me as funny when, uh, when, in verse 15, when Peter says, make sure that none of you suffers as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or a troublesome meddler. <laughs> it just, it's funny to me because it's just like that last one just kind of seems out of place or something, you know, with murderer and evildoer and, you know, all this kind of stuff. Oh, and a troublesome meddler. I, I've, ne- I've, I, I, I've never murdered anybody but i've probably been a troublesome meddler it's just i think part of it's just a reminder to us that that sin is sin and sin displeases god and whatever it is in our life it doesn't belong in our life and if we're suffering as a result of that there's no place for it we shouldn't suffer for something we deserve to suffer for does that does that make sense if if you're getting what you deserve that's that's not what that's not what that's not what god desires for our lives um Back in the, uh, some of you are old enough to remember this, back in the 1980s, uh, I think it's in the 80s, uh, Jim Baker, Jim and Tammy Faye Baker, y'all remember them, Jim and Tammy Faye Baker? Um, he, was, he was the most popular televangelist on, on uh, TV. There he is right there. Um, he and his wife Tammy Faye founded uh, PTL Television Network. And then their, their show, PTL Club, was like the, the largest watched uh, Christian uh, show on television. Millions of people watching it. They also started a theme park. Anybody remember it? Heritage USA, that's right. Started a theme park, Heritage USA. I was reading it one time. It was the third uh, most attended theme park in America. Um, so uh, Jim Baker uh, uh, promoted, uh, preached what is commonly referred to as a health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. He taught that... Uh, if you would send him and Tammy Faye and PTL, if you would send them a check, if you would write them a check and, and as a, uh, what they would call a seed faith, that if you'd plant that seed faith by sending them money, that God in turn will bless you and you'll receive more money as a result of sending him a little bit of your uh, money. It's, it's basically the same health, wealth, and prosperity message that, that's still preached by a lot of people uh, today. Uh, they, that, at its height, uh, Jim and Tammy Faye and uh, PTL Club were taking in millions and millions and millions of dollars. Yeah. They lived an insanely 
lavish lifestyle, but eventually it began to come out that uh, Jim had met a woman in a hotel, in, I think in Orlando or something, and he'd had uh, a physical sexual relationship with her, and they tried to hush it up. They tried to pay her off money to keep her quiet because she was going to claim that she had been raped and yada, yada. Um, eventually, uh, Jim Baker was charged with mail fraud and wire fraud and tax evasion and all different kinds of things. And when all this started coming down, here's where I'm going. When all this started coming down, uh, Jim Baker began to proclaim uh, he, that he was being persecuted, that he was being picked on, that he was being uh, persecuted by other Christian organizations that were jealous. He was being persecuted by the government and the IRS and, and all this stuff, that, that he was being persecuted. He was. But because he was a thief and an adulterer. And God says, that's not why you ought to be persecuted. If you go through trials, you go tribulations, don't let it be because of something you deserve to be persecuted for. Does that make sense? But let it be for the, the right reasons in your life. There's a lot to say about that, but I, all I'm saying to you is it, it is an opportunity to examine the trials of your life. And just make sure that, that things that you're going through, that God's not trying to get your attention, that you're not somewhere in some direction you shouldn't be, or that you're not messing in something you shouldn't be messing in, or, or whatever else. And make sure that you're, that you're not suffering as a result of, of doing something wrong. The world will, will uh, persecute those who do right, but you, that's okay. That, you, can, you can handle that. It's something wrong that you don't want to be persecuted for. Does that, am I making sense? You, are, you understand where I'm going with that? It's just an opportunity to examine my life. God, boy, I'm going through a lot of stuff right now. And God, if, if, I, if, I, if I've strayed off somewhere, if I've, if, if I've gone in the wrong direction, if, I, if I've let this sin come into my life that, I, that maybe I'm excusing away, if there's something going on that shouldn't be there, God, would you, would you help to reveal it to me? Because, I, I, God, I want to I be with you. I know I'll be suffer, there's suffering. I know there's trials in this world, but, but by golly, if I, if I suffer, I want it to be for your name. I want it to be because you desire uh, to, uh, to be glorified and that I can do that even through my trials and my tribulations. Okay, real quick. Uh, one, uh, one more idea, idea here. Trials, entrust him. Entrust him. Verse uh, 19 again, look what it says. Therefore, those also who suffer according to the will of God shall entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. See that? Well, well that first part's got to be a typo, right? I mean, surely it wouldn't be God's will that I suffer, Right? Keep in mind, first, in the context, Peter is talking about uh, suffering for the right reason, suffering for the wrong reason. So it's not in God's will if you're suffering for some sin that you're into. But if you're suffering uh, because you're trying to stand up for the name of Jesus at school or at work or whatever, uh, then, then you're not out of God's will to be suffering uh, for that reason. But as to the specific question as to, you know, would God really, really want me to suffer? Would God really want me to go through some trials and some tribulations. Let me just say this. I mentioned it earlier, but if the here and now is just here and now, and the there and then is eternal, and if God can use trials and tribulations, if God, if God can use some of the stuff in the here and now that will, that will make the there and then greater or better or whatever it is, will God do it? Absolutely He will do it. Absolutely, God will use trials in your life to get you to where he wants you to be. Because that's 
in the end what matters because as I'm fond of saying, I say it all the time right here, all of this is destined for dust. All of this is going away. All of this is temporary. And all of that is eternal. So why would God not use a trial or difficulty if the end goal uh, is to make us more like Christ? He will do it. You may not like it. You may not enjoy it. You, you may, may wish it would get off it. And, and we do that, right? We pray, God, God, please take this off of me. But just as he did with the Apostle Paul, there may be times when God says, no, my grace is sufficient for you. You need to go through this whether you recognize it or not. That's basically, essentially, what he told Paul. So we do. So let me, let me just kind of try and round this thing up. Uh, let me give you some three ideas right here just to really kind of encapsulates all, all three of what we said. First, you've got to resign yourself to the reality of trials. It's just life. It's going to happen. I can't expect them. They're going to come. Don't act surprised. Don't act as if something strange were happening to you, especially if you're living for Jesus Christ. Expect it to come. You've got to resign yourself to the reality of trials. Second, you've got to remind yourself of the goodness of God. Listen, I tell people this. Somebody says, well, I, yeah, I, I did that two months ago. I don't know about you, but I've got to do it every day, over and over. I've got to remind myself, depending on the severity of the trial or the difficulty or how hard a time I'm going through, I've got to remind myself, God is good. God is good. God is good. What I'm going through may not be good at all, right? That happens. There are times when you, when you don't have a clue what God is doing and you can't figure it out and you don't know why this is happening the way it is. And when you, can't, when you can't see God, and you can't hear God, and you can't feel God, can anybody relate? In those times when you can't see Him, you can't hear Him, you can't feel Him, you have to just trust God. You just have to trust that God is good, and if God is good, then God has good intentions for this. I, I didn't have time, I had to run through it, but the promise, you've, many of you have read it, the promise of Romans uh, chapter 8, that God works all things together for the good to those who love him are called according to his purpose. You've got to remind yourself of that every single day, maybe. And then uh, third, you have to realign your perspective on trials. I know our tendency, and probably always will be, I know our tendency is to, to try and, you know, how, can I, how can I get that one to miss me? How can I get out of this? How can I wiggle out of that? But you've got to change your perspective. You've got to begin to look at trials as something that you actually can be grateful for, that you can actually rejoice in because you're identifying with Christ, because, because He's coming back again, because His Spirit is upon you as a result of the trials that you're suffering. And so your perspective on the trials have to change. Instead of saying, God, why? We need to say, God, whatever, whatever you want to do. However you can use it. Whatever I have to go through, God, if it's for your honor and for your glory, God, that's a good thing. And if it's going to make me a, a, a better follower of Jesus, if it's, going to, if it's going to make me a better person to other people, if it's going to make me more compassionate, if it's going to make me whatever, God, 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 do that in my life. I rejoice that you're doing that work in my life. Trials are not easy. They are not pleasant. But they really are profitable. And they really do bring glory to God when we turn to Him and trust Him in the midst of it. The world won't understand it, how you can have such peace and, and contentment and stuff in the middle of whatever's raging on you because stuff happens to them too. Like I said, nobody's immune to trials. But when you're being tested, you can stand in Him. Let me close out. Let me just tell this quick little story. I told you that, that persecution was going to be increasing 
for the followers of Jesus. Nero comes to the throne in, uh, on the night of July 18th, 64 AD. The city of Rome caught fire. By the time it burned itself out, at least six days later, some discrepancy about how long it actually took, at least six days later, at least two-thirds of the city of Rome, the, ma- the majestic, spectacular city of Rome, at least two-thirds of it lay in ruins. I, I don't even know. I, don't, I couldn't find anybody that really had an accurate estimate of how many people died in the fire. Early on, historians began to, to suspect that Nero ordered the setting of the fire because we, they know historically, that Nero wanted to rebuild Rome. He wanted to build it to his honor and glory. He wanted to architecturally do some different things, and the Senate refused. They flat out said, no, that's not going to happen. So it had been rumored for eons that Nero set the fire or had ordered for the fire to be set. We'll probably never know historically whether that happened, whether that was the case or not. What we do know with a fair amount of certainty is that Nero pointed the fingers at the Christians at the followers of Jesus. It's their fault. They lit the fires, or they're responsible for the fire, they're responsible for the death, they're the ones that did it, and and came this new wave of persecution like the church had never experienced before. Some of them were fed to lions in the arena, just as sport, just as spectator sport, because everybody was angry at the Christians, because Nero said it was their fault. I I tried thinking about it, I tried to think about what what would it be like to be eaten alive? Many more were crucified, And it is reported that some Christians were used as human torches to light Nero's garden parties. Uh, All I'm saying is, it never hurts to have a little perspective on our trials. And to know what we're going through. That yes, it it, it may be intention, it may feel bad. But listen, in in the end, in the whole scheme of things, God is on his throne and God will accomplish his purposes in and through the trials and difficulties of your life and you and I will be better for it. We really will. As we close out chapter 4 of 1 Peter, that last principle Pastor Clay shared is particularly important. In the middle of our trials and suffering, we have to entrust them to him. To our God. What we go through in this life in the way of trials and suffering is not easy, but through it all, when we understand how God can use our trials and that we can trust Him with our trials, we can find an inner peace and, yes, even a joy that the world may not understand, but that brings glory to God. Pastor Clay is the author of the book, I Get It, Discovering How to Really Live in the Promises of God. My prayer is that God would use it to help some people understand a few things about what it really takes to live in the promises of God. God wants you to live a life of peace and purpose and meaning and hope and fulfillment and contentment. He wants you to live a life without fear and without anxiety. Many people at some point in their life feel disconnected with the type of life and faith they read about in the Bible and what their lives look like on a daily basis. What is it that we're missing? What is it that we're not getting? If I'm not really living in the promises of God, why is that? That's what this book explores. I Get It is available online in electronic versions for the Nook and Kindle, as well as paperback form from Amazon.com. And ask for it by name at your favorite local bookstore. You can go in bookstores and just say, hey, uh, have you got a book in here uh, entitled I Get It from Clay Stevens? They can order this book out of their catalogs that they get. Get your copy today. Discover the promises of God and the steps you need to take to get it. And join us here each week online for another Crosswalk message. 
God has invited us to know Him through His Word, the Bible, a perfect record of God's revelation to man and applicable to every area of our lives. And if you're in the Raleigh area, we invite you to be a part of cross-culture worship. We meet at 1030 every Sunday morning at the Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7. Cross Culture Church. We're a church, but instead of religion, we're about relationships. And instead of rituals, we practice realness. Our desire is to be used by God to show people that a life built on the finished work of Christ on the cross is where you'll find what you're searching for. Cross Culture Church. I'm not the water, I'm not the bread, but I know the place where your soul is fed. So hungry and thirsty, come and be blessed. I want to leave. Cross Culture Church, a new church for people like you. Learn more about us, who we are, what we're about, what we do, and what we believe. Visit us online at crossculturelife.org.